1: Your twilight years of your life are you going to look back and say boy I sure had great
2: Instagram photos would it not be more meaningful if you had a grandchild's hand to hold on to to sing hymns with you and to encourage you say grandma I will see
1: you again I can't
2: wait
0: the land that we're talking about the land of Israel God owns it and anyone who's been on it biblically or otherwise has only been a manager or steward.
1: Jesus <laughs> clearly believed in the Trinity. He rose from the dead, and until you do, I'm going with Jesus as the best witness to the truth of what is meant in the Christian church by the term Trinity.
2: When we're talking about the, the liturgy, what we're not talking about is a style of worship. Rather, we're talking about a theology of worship. Aerobatic pilots, at least this one, love, issues, etc.,
0: Clear! Here is the headline from Fox News. The Satanic Temple to host after-school Satan Club at Memphis Elementary School. club will prepare fun activities centered around their seven fundamental tenets. Those tenets include benevolence, empathy, critical thinking, problem-solving, creative expression, personal sovereignty, and compassion. So how does this fit within the context of our religious freedoms, and What's appropriate in our schools? Two big issues there. Greetings and welcome to Issues Etc. Live on this Wednesday afternoon, December the 13th. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. We're going to be talking about media coverage of after-school satanic clubs. Terry Mattingly of Get Religion will be our guest. We're going to spend some time with Pastor Dennis McFadden. He spent nearly two decades as a senior living community executive. We're going to talk about Christian decision-making and the end-of-life decisions and then, Dr. Scott Stegemeyer joins us, Professor of Theology and Bioethics at Concordia University, Irvine, will respond to the argument that sex before marriage between consenting people doesn't hurt anybody. Terry Mattingly is Senior Fellow at the Overby Center for Southern Journalism and Politics at the University of Mississippi. He's founder and editor of Get Religion, author of the weekly On Religion column for the Universal Syndicate and the book Pop Goes Religion. Terry, welcome back.
2: Glad to be here.
0: We are seeing more church-state stories with Satan hooks these days. What's the key material that journalists need to include in this Memphis story?
2: Well, I mean, the key here is that they don't seem to realize that there is such a thing as equal access principles at play in government institutions. That's a problem when you're covering an equal access story. I don't know, at this point, what to do about that. I mean, I don't know if some, maybe a conservative and a liberal think tank on church-state issues could, like, do a joint memo. Maybe the Freedom Forum could do that. But if you're going to cover stories that are about student clubs in public schools—and let's stress public schools, not private schools— and the principles that judge how you work with them, the questions that can be raised about them, etc., it helps to know that this is not a new subject. It's been around now for several decades, and there are facts that one needs to know about covering these stories. And I, I guess, you know, the, the key one. Is, is this basic principle. A public school, or let's say a public library, and there's something, another institution that very much has been in the news on the same types of questions uh, in the drag queen story hour era. You have a choice of refusing requests from all religious groups or controversial groups, or you have to deal with all of them equally without practicing what is called viewpoint discrimination. Now you're allowed to ask questions about the nature of the material that will be covered and how that is applied to the age of the child. And then there's a lot of other questions that we can get into, but the journalists need to understand, This is a wheel that has already been created. The satanic club cases are simply another example of questions that have already been dealt with by courts and politicians and educators and, yay, journalists in the past. I can give you an example of how these things often tend to play out and some of the dynamics and the things that might make some of our our listeners rather uncomfortable, as the Drag Queen Story Hour stories have. I remember, gosh, several decades ago, a case in Texas, a state where football is a pretty important thing, and religion is an even more important thing. And you probably are aware that we've had a number of questions about whether coaches at public schools have a right to pray before games, or maybe even to pray with their teams before games—that's a second layer. Or maybe even third, have inspirational speakers with some kind of religious identity come and speak to their players. There's three different questions there, but I remember a case. I'm—I'm I'm, almost—I'm 99% sure that it's true that it's in Texas because it involved um, a quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, who was a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saint. And the football coach, I believe, was Mormon, and he asked Danny White to come. And all of a sudden, there were parents, evangelical Christians, I believe, who, who thought it was fine for evangelical coaches to pray with their team, but they didn't want a Mormon coach bringing in a Mormon NFL player to address the team and pray with the team. At the time, I remember running that down, and someone said, so basically the whole question that we run into in church state law over and over is religious liberty for me, but not for thee, and that's the incredibly delicate line that we get involved in, and as often the case, the First Amendment can cause pain and complicated discussions.
0: There is also a story, and it, this was, I believe, from the ACLU website, and they talk about a Pennsylvania school district that is going to end up paying 200 grand mm-hmm. after a decision to block an after-school Satan club from
2: school facilities. Right.
0: Tell us about that.
2: Well, that's not the story I focused on. I'm, I was focusing on the one in Memphis, which is unfolding right now, but I think they're exactly the same questions. And the coverage of the Memphis story fails right up top. Let me just read the very first thing in it and see if you could spot the missing, uh, as we would say at Get Religion, the ghost in this lead. Chimney Rock Elementary, part of Memphis Shelby County Schools, has multiple after-school clubs and extracurricular activities for its students. Listed on its website are strings, beta club, girl scouts, and piano lessons. But early next year, an entirely different kind of club meeting is slated to be held at the Cordova-based elementary school. On January 10, students will have the opportunity to attend a, quote, after-school Satan club, unquote. What's the crucial question that's missing from that first two paragraphs of the story. What is it? What religious groups meet there? Has this school dealt consistently? I mean, is there a rosary club at this elementary school where it's not dangerous for children to be exposed to the rosary if they choose to attend the meeting? Is there a Christian fiction club? Is there a First Baptist Church children's hour after-school club. In other words, what readers most need to know is how have school leaders dealt with requests by other religious groups at this school, or at other schools at the elementary school level, and that can be handled. Courts will sometimes allow you to have slightly different material covered at an elementary school, different material at a middle school and certainly different material at a high school. We can get into all kinds of content questions at that time, but we absolutely, positively need to know if there are religious groups in this district's schools representing other religious points of view. And is the school dealing with them equally? I think it's safe to say, in the heart of the Bible Belt, which suburban Memphis would certainly fit that category, I think it's safe to say that elsewhere in this district, there are other religious groups meeting as voluntary after school or activities or activities at other times. There are cases where you can even say that you have like a release time agreement where students have the right to maybe even leave the grounds of the school for an activity and come back, if that's how things are being handled consistently with other groups. In other words, if you're going to allow a Greenpeace meeting or some sort of ecology club, we're going to have a chess club, we're going to have a computer game club. You can go on and on, and there are groups of all these sorts. But the single thing we have to have at the top of a story on this topic is how the school district and the leaders of public schools in that region have dealt with other religious groups, and that tells us how they're allowed to deal with a request from the Satan group.
0: Why isn't that there?
2: I don't know. I assume – It's because they don't know they're covering an equal access story. And nobody on the copy desk or nobody in the newsroom realizes, huh, how would Catholics be treated? How would Mormons be treated? What if you wanted to have a Jewish poetry club right now? Would that be treated the same way? And trust me, the lawyers for the ACLU... And the lawyers for the satanic groups are going to be asking, will our believers, will our parents be treated the same way as the school has dealt with Baptist parents, Catholic parents, Latter-day Saint parents, etc.?" I know at that point I can hear people thinking, yes, but it's Satan. It's talking about Satan, which gets us into some other interesting things in this story. And I wrote out a list of other things that we need to know. I believe that you're allowed, school districts are allowed to say that to be accepted, the club has to have a sponsor from either the faculty or the school staff. And if you use that standard, it has to be applied equally. You can either have that standard or not. But once again, it has to be used equally, at which point if that's a standard that exist with other clubs, secular or religious? In this school district, we need to know. And it would be interesting to know if they do require a sponsor, what does the sponsor of the Campus Crusade for Christ club think about how they've been treated by the school district? How does the Catholic priest who teaches catechism hour how do they feel about how their students are treated and was there difficulty in setting those clubs up and yes we it'd be great to talk to the sponsor of the satan hour the school after school satan club these are perfectly normal church state questions to ask let me give you another one now this will probably bring memories back you're in the clergy and you follow things that happen at churches. There have been cases in the past where parents have had non-Christian parents, unbelieving parents or unchurched parents, have found out after the fact that their own children were invited to evangelical or Pentecostal or Catholic or whatever clubs of this type without the parents knowing it. And then they made a religious decision to accept Christ and change their life. The question is whether, once again, has the school district and school leaders, have they dealt consistently with religious groups on this matter? In other words, could a Baptist kid be invited to the after-school Satan Club without his or her parents knowing about it? And by the way, could a Satan-worshipping parent have her daughter invited to a Bible study class without her knowing about it? And presumably at certain ages, being able to give permission. Once again, is the same standard used for religious groups of all kinds without viewpoint discrimination? There's no evidence in this story that anyone involved in it knows anything at all about those kinds of legal principles. But I guarantee you it's a factor in the lawsuits, in the story you brought up, in the ACLU documents, and in other stories on clubs of this kind. And we're going to see more of them. It's obvious that satanic groups know now that they have a button to push for press coverage for increased public awareness of who they are and what they believe. And frankly, they have a legal right to push that button.
0: Terry Mattingly is our guest. He's senior fellow at the Overby Center for Southern Journalism and Politics at the University of Mississippi. We're talking about media coverage of after-school Satan clubs. So why are the media so anxious to cover it, even in this ham-fisted way? You are personally invited to join Lutherans for Life and Why for Life in celebrating the theme, Just As I Am, January 14th through the 20th during Life Week 2024. Each theme day will explore a distinct aspect of life ministry through local activities, online educational events, interviews, and more. Find out more at lutheransforlife.org. Lutherans for Life, equipping Lutherans and their neighbors to be gospel-motivated voices for life lutheransforlife.org
2: listen to what you want when you want you're listening to issues etc
1: this is pastor matthew harrison president of the lutheran church missouri synod the lcms operates the second largest parochial school system in the united states what can you expect from a lutheran church missouri synod school there's one race the human race and Jesus died for the sins of every man, woman, and child from every land and every nation. Life begins at conception, all life is precious from womb to tomb, and every student, parent, and teacher is created in the very image of God. There's right and wrong, and we know which is which from the Ten Commandments. There are only two sexes, male and female, He created them. Marriage is the lifelong union of one man and one woman, there's such a thing as objective, absolute truth, and it's found in the person and work of Jesus Christ and His Word. To find a Lutheran Church Missouri Synod school near you, visit lcms.org schools.
0: Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. On this Wednesday, December the 13th, we're talking about media coverage of after-school Satan clubs. Terry Mattingly is our guest, Senior Fellow at the Overby Center for Southern Journalism and Politics at the University of Mississippi, founder and editor of Get Religion and author of the weekly On Religion column for the Universal Syndicate and the book Pop Goes Religion. So, Terry, I got to wonder, they're covering it poorly. They're not asking the basic question that is really at the legal heart of these situations in public schools, but why are they, in the first place, so attracted to the Church of Satan or satanic after-school clubs?
2: Is well, it just attra- clickbait? Yeah, well it is clickbait and they're attracted to controversy. I mean, it's, it's like when I was at Baylor decades ago, <laughs> there is no newspaper in the state of Texas that will not publish a headline containing the words Baylor and Playboy in the same headline. You can't resist the temptation if there's going to be a controversy at Baylor about whether Baylor co-eds can pose for Playboy. And of course, it's a private school, it's a Baptist school, et cetera. Well, et cetera. we're dealing with something similar here. I think the assumption is school leaders are going to be prejudiced against the Satan Club, and... Those nasty evangelical parents are going to freak out when this club is approved. And you know what? There's a really good chance that that would happen. But we need to know whether those evangelical parents have a legal right to be upset. In other words, have the, have the school officials treated other religious clubs the same way they're going to treat this Satan Club, and that's the actual story. In other words, if if you're thinking, well, we know those close-minded folks are going to show up at the next school meeting and start shouting. Well, the question is, is there anything to shout about from a legal perspective? And then we get into issues like, My child came home with a flyer from the Satan Club, and the Satan Club flyer had images that I find offensive. And you could see how that would be very similar to a child in a Satan-worshipping or some other sort of neo-pagan family, their child coming home from after-school Bible hour which they were retending without the parents knowing, with a flyer that says, here's the way to say the Jesus prayer and accept Christ as your Savior. Parents have a right to defend the beliefs of their family, especially when dealing with extremely young children. So it's the story. They're covering a valid story it's an important story. In a way, it's a story related to the question which may make it to the Supreme Court, which is in certain states of the Union, I believe this is unfolding in Florida, you have people saying they have a church-state separation, First Amendment religious liberty right for members of their congregation to procure an abortion. Well, are those people going to be able to show, under the Religious Freedom Restoration Act principles, that abortion has been a part of the doctrine of their faith for decades? They didn't just make this up, and at that point, the court may have to do what it doesn't want to do, which is make a rule on abortion, period, or what states can or cannot say about the act of abortion. That's a related case. And people say, oh, it's just a complete novelty that Satanists are bringing this up. You may consider it a novelty, but they're real, they exist, and their separation of coven and state is a valid question in this culture in which we now live. Neo-pagans have First Amendment rights as well as evangelicals, as Muslims, as Catholics etc., etc. I think in a previous conversation, you may remember, I said I was attending a meeting in Washington years ago, and someone advised some public school leaders who were present, when evangelicals come into your office and want to complain about the sexual education materials that their children are being exposed to, look at those evangelical or Catholic parents and pretend they're Muslims. Pretend they're a group that you consider an oppressed religious minority and try to give them the same rights you would give a Muslim family, which is offended by some of the material to which their children are being exposed. Religious liberty for thee but not for me is an equation that's going to keep coming up in the court. So what we need from the Memphis Commercial Appeal... We need a follow-up story, and we need it now about the status of other religious clubs in Memphis area schools, and what are the rules that govern those clubs? What are the rules that govern the content they can discuss and distribute? What are the rules for whether very young children can attend them with or without their parents' permissions? Oh, and by the way, you know it's going to come up. There's going to be a case involving a child whose parents are divorced, and one parent is going to say, oh, yeah, I'm fine with my kid going to the neo-pagan story hour. And the other parent's going to say, no, that child could be exposed to all kinds of things that violate what I believe. Another complication. I should have added that one to my other list, and I think I'll reach over with a pen and add it right now.
0: With uh, just a few minutes here, talk a bit about the Commercial Appeals, their descriptions of the content and purpose of these after-school Satan Clubs, a minute or two.
2: Well, it's really interesting because the story stresses that the Satan Club identifies its that Satan, the devil, is identified as, quote, a literary figure who represents a metaphorical construct of rejecting tyranny and championing the human mind and spirit, a literary figure, then later it's recognized as a primary – the satanic temple is recognized as the primary religious satanic organization in the world. If I was covering this story, I would have asked, what's the difference, you know, in terms of materials that are used between the devil as a literary figure, a metaphor, and the devil as a religious concept, and perhaps even a supernatural concept. I would expect that in the satanic group itself, there are kind of doctrinal debates about that, whether or not they believe in the supernatural, whether they believe in super angels, fallen angels. In other words, exactly what is the theology of Satan in the materials being used by this club. That, to me, is a logical question. And this literary versus religious language is right in the story. And I think, once again, that raises questions.
0: Terry Mattingly is senior fellow at the Overby Center for Southern Journalism and Politics at the University of Mississippi. He's founder and editor of Get Religion and author of the weekly On Religion column for the Universal Syndicate and the book Pop Goes Religion. Terry, Thank you very much.
2: Glad to be here.
0: When we come back, Pastor Dennis McFadden joins us. We're going to talk about Christian decision-making and the end of life. Issues Etc. Book of the Month for December uses detailed illustrations and rhyming text to tell the story of Jesus' birth. It's titled N is for Nativity. This new hardcover children's book is published by Concordia Publishing House, their phone number 1-800-325-3040. Or learn more about N is for Nativity at issuesetc.org. Use the ABCs from Advent to Zion to teach your children and grandchildren the Christmas story with N is for Nativity. Under a starlit sky in Bethlehem, a divine event unfolded. We read from Luke 2, 7, And she gave birth to her firstborn son. As we ponder these words, we're reminded that the Savior was born in the midst of ordinary surroundings, yet it was extraordinary. From all of us at Lutheran Church Extension Fund, may this Advent season fill your life with the extraordinary, even amid the ordinary.
2: Essential exercise for the Christian mind. You're listening to Issues Etc.
1: When Christ came to earth, he did not come as a fully formed man. Rather, he took on flesh in the womb of the Virgin Mary. He became a lowly embryo, and thereby, in this act, made every child a gracious gift of God. No asterisks, no footnotes. To learn more about the blessing of children, pick up the December issue of the Lutheran Witness cph.org slash witness or our website, witness.lcms.org to learn more. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective.
0: At Memoria Press, the Simply Classical curriculum is specifically designed for students with significant learning challenges. This complete program includes everything you need for a school, self-contained classroom, tutoring, or homeschool to make a classical Christian education accessible for any child. To learn more, visit us at simplyclassical.com and use the coupon code LPR24 at checkout. Simply Classical, a beautiful education for any child.